Okay, welcome to part two of the Steve Young Becoming a Fulfillionaire show. On part one, we discussed lots about the Hermetic Principles. We talked about his mission in Egypt that he did. And today, to kind of start us off, to give some context for everything, I was wondering, Steve, if you could talk us through what trip you're about to do in Peru. Yeah. Yeah, so Peru uh, essentially is a follow-up. From Egypt. Um, and in fact, Peru's mission was downloaded to me March of last year, even before you know doing the Egypt experience and mission in November. And essentially what came to me was that um, the ability for all humans to harmonize masculine and feminine energies as one, like blended, not balanced, but harmonized, is the pathway that opens up people's channels to connect to their higher selves or source or or the universe, whatever you want to call it. And so through a series of events, because of Egypt, uh, basically Sir Edward, who has been helping us, uh, has now given us this mission to go and activate the sun and moon temple in Peru, while his spiritual partner, uh, Lady Sophia and her daughter is going to be in Maui activating a, a volcano, I forget the name of it. But basically, we've been tasked to uh, activate the Sun and Moon Temple within 48 hours of the other activation on Maui. The other activation represents the masculine, and we're going to represent the feminine. And so we've been given very specific tools um, to basically achieve this mission to not only harmonize masculine and feminine energies for the attendees, like the people on the mission, but for all of humanity. Right. So it's like a, a ritual with very specific tools, very specific ways uh, to send this harmonizing energy into the collective consciousness. Wow, that's so beautiful. So last time I asked about like, what's the intention for the globe? And like, is that measurable? Or can you notice? But my question now is, what is it like to be someone there doing it? What does that feel like? And how does that impact you and the rest of the people doing it? Yeah. Yeah, this was a this was a big thing in Egypt. Um, in the days leading up to November 11th, I was feeling into each person. I could sense there was a lot of almost like disorientation would be the word I would use inside. And, and my sense-making left brain was like, oh, I, I think they're one going, holy shit, we're, holy crap, we're going to do this big thing. And then part with like, wait, am I, am I the person? Am I trained for this or am I able to do this, right? So there was all this stuff going on. And so what I did was a day before I sat people down and said, look, like um, this has already happened, right? Faith, the divine has already made this happen in the non-timeline reality. And so we get sovereignty and choice in terms of how we want to experience this happening. And so that kind of reframes it to like from can it happen and how am I going to contribute to, oh, it's happening. I get to choose how I want to experience it. So just to give you context, I would be doing the same thing and have been doing the same in a, a group chats with, um, with the Peru mission people. It's that this, this is happening. We just get to choose how we want to experience. It. And I believe that that choice in how we want to experience it in itself is a, a secret key. So, yeah. Yeah. So like after Egypt, what what was different about your life afterwards versus before as far as like was there crazy like 
you were magnetizing like money, magnetizing love. Like what was that experience? I can only imagine, like it yeah. just feels so yeah. profound yeah. to live in your body after that. <laughs> yeah. So many things. Um, first, uh, the day after the mission, which was on the 11th, on the 12th, we were literally given signs that what we did worked. I feel like the divine was like, Hey, like this happened. There was like mystical biblical rain where we were in Egypt the day after after we blessed the land. Like it rained so much, like corpses came up from the ground. Scorpions came up and bit people like not normal rain. This is like biblical unusual. They're like, we haven't seen rain like this in many, many, many years. Uh, so there were these original uh, signs. And so that was for me to further ingrain this concept of faith. Last year was, you know, all about faith. And so I think as I've stepped into faith, which prior to faith, it was all about trust. And I think faith is even deeper and more expansive than trust. And so as I've stepped deeper into faith, literally synchronicities and magical things have happened infinitely more. Uh, I've met certain people. I've never been in a, a phase in my life where I've met people where there was an instant knowing we knew each other in a previous life that has like more than exponentially increased uh, since Egypt. And then a lot of things are just naturally um, falling into place, not just for myself, but sort of people I'm around. Right. So it wasn't just a, a, an eye impact. Literally it's like rippling out into the people that I know. So, um, I mean, I can see dramatic changes in people that I know that weren't even on the trip, just naturally unfolding because of, you know, this shift. So it's, it's beautiful to watch. Wow. Yeah. Do you remember any specific short stories about that? Like what was something that happened to someone like a family member or a friend of yours where you're like, sure. I've, I've always heard that context, right? Where they're like, um, when you heal yourself, you heal those around yeah. you because if, if your energy is different, their energy will be different. Right. Yeah. And that, that could be like, we could translate that very physical too. Right. If you're just smilier and happier and they're happy that you're happy, then they will be a little bit happier. Yeah. And if they're like a little bit happier, they'll attract better things into their life. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, a very common effect, um, especially post Egypt is if I'm at an event or with a group of people, uh, it's very common for some reason the next day when, when we, we stay at the place, people wake up and say, I've had like the best night's sleep ever. It's very interesting. That's been a very interesting pattern that I've noticed. Uh, so there's that. And then, um, I mean, even my relationship with Charmaine, who's the mother of my two daughters, she is infinitely more loving and accepting now versus three months ago, six months ago, nine months ago. Uh, again, with no work, like I haven't had discussions with her. There's been no intention or desire for it. It's just been an, an automatic. So there's that. Um, and then my, my girlfriend, Sarah, she, so she's had this vision. She was shown during times of Atlantis with this very specific temple. You know, we've talked about it ever since we met back in uh, May of last year. And it's been mostly sort of in her subconscious dormant. I always feel like the project's so big, she was kind of like, wait, do I, do I share this with the world? How is this going to happen? 
And literally in the last even just a couple of weeks, uh, these magical things are lining up where like it will happen. So it's yeah, just very interesting to see um, how the, the, the magic's unfolding for people around me. Wow, that's incredible. So all that said, um, can you show us the crown for Peru? <laughs> so you, you mentioned yeah. this guy, Sir Edward, yeah, is Sir it? Edward, right? yeah. Who makes these like incredible implements for your work? Yeah, yeah. And so essentially he channels this sort of ascended master that lived during times of Atlantis and through enough magical, mystical, spiritual work has, you know, maintained his consciousness without a human body, right? It's transcended. And so he's been giving Sir Edward um, instructions on all kinds of things. And some of the instructions includes uh, what to make and how to make these magical items. Like we had a, a crystal, a bunch of crystal swords that were used for uh, Egypt, the mission. And then this is the crystal crown that we will be using oh for Peru. And so there's 30 of these crystals and each crystal has been specifically activated with a, a, another laser sword that he has with specific vibrations. And so this this crown, which in the moment we're not supposed to put it on until we're at the top of the, the Sun and Moon Temple, will cast the energetic spell basically into the collective consciousness to uh, achieve this mission. Wow. So to give a little bit of like, again, physical context for these things, if people are like, whoa, what is happening here? Mm -hmm. If you've ever experienced something where you were like uh, a loved one passed away and you like felt them around you um, and that's like without trying, you were just like you, you just felt them around or felt like you heard their voice or something or had a dream about them and they were like very clearly in it and very clearly themselves that's like a little bit of that energy, right? And like you said, in the last episode, the part one, mm -hmm. uh, we're like 80% or so light, yeah. and then only 78% yeah. light, 22% physical, I think yeah. was the, the stat you exactly. gave us. So with that in mind, it's like, okay, so when the physical is gone, there's maybe still 78% of you here, right? Um, as far as like the measurable matter of it all, right? So then, if you take that and you extrapolate that into someone who's trained to kind of interact with that energy that's here, and then you take that and you stack on top of it, someone who's trained to kind of like meditate a lot and separate from the 22% more regularly, mm -hmm. and they could conceivably get to a level where maybe when they did die, mm -hmm. um, they 78% of them could still be around. Yep. And that's like their consciousness and their, um, yeah, whatever makes us us without our body, yeah. right? And that's like a whole big conversation. So that's kind of how I reason all of that and those intuitions, and those feelings. And then you could start to say over time where you're like, oh, if I want to like think about my um, mentor who who's passed on and I really like think about him and think about what it felt like to be around him, suddenly to some extent he's here all of a sudden. Mm -hmm. And I can like think about what would he say or what would he do? And sometimes it's even surprises me like what comes up about what he would do or say. So that's kind of my train of thought with all of that work. And it seems completely plausible when you think about it that way. Yeah. So yeah. something to get into there um, with that being said, is this, like you're going to Peru, you're doing this sun and moon activation, you're doing all of this, like what would be considered highly woo woo stuff. Mm -hmm. And it's not stuff that you get paid for. Mm -hmm. 
So what's fascinating about this and in between the last conversation and this one, which has only been two days, I, I had you send me all the links to all the things that you like 3D world yeah. do, physical world yeah. do. And it brings up this whole point of like asking powerful questions to me, which is you've built this several businesses and probably helped many other businesses like we talked about in the last episode. Mm -hmm. um, so that you can do this work and you've optimized your life or, or constructed your life in such a way that you can do this comfortably for yourself yeah. and have the time and the energy to, to meet people and, and just do these things without that context of like currency, like we talked about. So you've constructed a business that is an evergreen way of generating income to support this other work that you do that is very different and really important, right? Mm -hmm. So the question there is if you're asking, like, let's say someone's asking, like, how do I make a thousand extra dollars a month mm -hmm. to invest in my retirement versus how do I make enough money that I can work an hour a month or an hour a year so that I can talk to people like Sir Edward and get crystal swords made with special <laughs> lasers so that I can go do this like really intense yeah. grid work, energy work, travel to these like uh, Machu Picchu, Lake Titicaca and the sun and moon temple and do these act like, whoa, this is really intense. Yeah. Like, but because you've had that bigger mission in mind, and this could go for any bigger mission, right? Whether it's like people always say like, oh, kids are going to slow me down in business. I'm like, that's not been my yeah. experience, yeah. actually. It's just you have more to provide for and more to yeah. work for. So you ask questions about how can I do a lot more income and a lot less time so that I can be with them or uh, make them proud, all of these things, yeah. right? Um, so talk to me about we, we talked about the hermetic principles yeah. last time and I just gave the context of like, you're asking these incredibly powerful yeah. questions so that you can do this amazing work. When did you start your digital business? Um, I'm assuming the first big one that, that really gave you some freedom was the, uh, back pain, uh, online material. Yeah. Yeah. Is that true? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I started, I mean, really my first business was 20, 24 years ago it was actually a, a supplement business so i've been basically been in that sort of entrepreneurial space for for quite a while um and then I used to run my own masterminds that was maybe eight nine years ago where i used to coach other people and help them with their businesses and over the years uh, i realized a lot of those things uh, while i enjoyed and liked and was good at one it, it wasn't my sole purpose Clearly, it was not my my uh, complete expression of me. It was just I was good at it, and so I started to. And it made no sense at the time to shut down these very high revenue generating businesses with high margins, like when you run a mastermind. But I, something in me was like, clear it all, and then just like close it all down. But the beauty of that is they created space, right? And so, and space is the most valuable thing, actually. The void and the ether and nothingness is the most valuable. And so, from creating that, eventually, one day I went, I was invited to this mastermind, and I met this person, Matthew. And then, maybe I forget how many months after that, they were like, hey, uh, we love the marketing side and the split testing and the funnels and, and all that stuff, which I used to do myself, which I don't like doing anymore. They were like, we'll do all of that. You just generate content, which I love to do. And then we'll just like profit share. I was like, perfect. And so flash forward, I mean, sold probably 50, 60, 70,000 units 
of these pain relief programs. Um, and they're, and we just brought on a partner that we expect in the next 12 months will three to 10 X the business, uh, because he's done an eight figure business in the golf niche. We just brought him on for like apply the same exact model to, to our niche, basically. And he's sort of in the process of doing that. So, you know, we have a, I think there, we have a physical product now and then a supplements coming out. So in a, in a membership models coming, so they're doing all that work, um, without me, which is the, the beauty of it. I get an email once in a while. It's like, Hey, um, what formula would you create for supplement? I was like, this is what I would do. It took me five minutes because of my background and they decided on a product like, Hey, can you shoot a video explaining how to do it? it took me 20 minutes. And so, yeah, oh, wow. I, I literally put in maybe an hour a month at most, um, in this. And so, um, and I've reflected on this. I get a lot of questions like with that, uh, with immortal essentially being a startup and immortal. I mean, we have a mission to help billions of people not just millions. And people always ask me like, how, how do you feel and how are you okay with actually not doing a tremendous amount of work? Cause you know, in startup mode, people talk about like 80 hours a week, you grind, you don't sleep and you make it work and all that stuff. And my answer to them is, um, about seven years ago at this uh, Ashley Maverick event, I have to credit uh, Yannick and Sophia with this. Uh, and then Philip McKernan, who's an incredible guide soul, uh, led this process about letting go of what doesn't serve us anymore. And basically doing that event at Lego Sacrifice. I realized that, that that word was so embedded in me because I, I conceptualized my mom's sacrifice her entire life for us, for my brother and myself. And I let that belief go and let go of the entire vibration of sacrifice. Uh, I believe that was monumental. I think without that, there's no way I could have the life that I have now because there would be sacrifices. I feel like I have no sacrifices. I, I basically do what I want. And I think, um, and of course, in service for humanity. And a lot of that came from letting go of that sacrifice. And the other sub sort of variable is guilt. Like I don't have any guilt that I've only put in an hour because uh, it's almost like, you know, when I'm with my kids, some people are like, wow, you travel so much. How do you feel? Well, it's not about the duration and volume. It's the, the depth, like the intensity and depth of that connection means way more than, you know, the volume. And so I feel like I'm able to do, um, to contribute to these businesses from a depth perspective. It doesn't have to be a volume perspective. So. Mm -hmm. You said you have two daughters, right? Mm -hmm. Do they know about like Egypt and Peru? Yeah. Do you talk about oh, yeah, that yeah. with them? They, they know everything. What do they think about it? Uh, I mean, they, they sort of grew up with this being pretty normal. So they're 10 and 13. Mm -hmm. So within that range, I've already been sort of steeped in the, the, the magic stuff. And so, I mean, they, they play shamanic drums. <laughs> they do all kinds of stuff. They, they, wow. they meditate without us ever telling them to meditate because just they see us do it. So, yeah, it's it's not... Uh, there was a there was a phase when this was really ramping up. They were like, "That's weird. That's weird." But at this point, whenever they say weird, I'm like, "Thank you." Like that means I'm not of like everyone else. I enjoy being weird, and so they they kind of just accept what it is. So, yeah, that's awesome. Have they have they decided which Hogwarts houses they would be in? <laughs> that's a great question. Uh, no, no, no. I we really don't. People ask me all the time, do we, do we, like, I don't force 
anything on them. You know, my, my parenting style is just like complete acceptance and of course, unconditional love and like they're their own bosses. And so, yeah. Do you feel like that would be different if there was a little boy? Is that a little girl philosophy of raising them? Or do you think you'd feel the same about, because uh... yeah. this is a conversation, right? About this whole masculine feminine yeah. thing. Sure. Uh, I actually made a video about this um, a few years ago from looking at all these things. It's my opinion, it's purely my opinion, on what are the three key elements um, from a tactical perspective to, to use to raise children. And what's the overall container? So I'll go over that. And I think this applies to boys or girls, right? And so the overall container is um, our own acceptance of ourselves. Because if there's any lack of acceptance of ourselves, again, we're, we're creating that energetic container in the house and we're biophoton affecting them. We could be as loving and all that stuff. We're still imparting, wait, there's something not good about you, right? Because if we feel that inside. So first and foremost, especially in their presence, really checking with yourself um, and have that complete acceptance, right? So I call it the gap, but there's a gap, that gap shows up. So within that, really just like use Carol Dweck's mindset work, right? Like praise on behavior and not on outcome. Use like Daniel Pink's work on how do you uh, drive intrinsic motivation, doing things for the love of it, not for the reward, right? And that's having mastery, autonomy, and purpose. And the last part, there's no book on it, but I felt into being aware who has power in any moment. Like when you tell your kid to do something, you've got the power. If you're using questions and you're co-creating, there's equal exchange. And if your kid tells you something, then the kid has power. And just be very careful as a parent not to consistently have the power because you'll almost like take their power away. Make sure that's it's, you know, it's kind of harmonized and, and really in this case, balance as well equal. So just kind of paying attention to those dynamics um, has really helped. Mm. I have one more uh, parenting question. Yeah. So you've got a 10 year old and a 13 year old mm -hmm. daughter. Mm -hmm. Those are very different ages. Definitely. What what's um, I feel like, what's the question I'm asking? What's the difference in the way when you hang out with them one on one, mm -hmm. or you sure. get even a few minutes of time? Sure separately what have you what can parents prepare for between 10 and 13 with a daughter yeah yeah i mean 13 going on like 20 right so already there's just this much more heightened aware awareness of the of the self right meaning how do i look what are people thinking about me that just didn't exist when they were like 10 and mm -hmm. and so the interactions with my older daughter um tends to be more about like discussing and feel into like how, how, how are the students? How are your friends? How are the interactions? What are you feeling type stuff? Whereas the 10 year old, she's still in that like snuggly, lots of hugs and kisses phase. The 13 year old is not super into lots of snuggling. I mean, we'll do it, but she's like, it's more like a, okay, it's there. Not like I want this. Whereas the 10 year old is still like, you know, huggy, lovey and kissy. Um, I mean, those are the, the two main differences. Yeah. 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 Do you have a favorite era of, uh, of uh, a favorite age range that you like always look fondly back on, or is it just always the present? Yeah. I, I don't know if we talked about this in the, in the first episode. So, um, each year I devote to one practice, right? And so this year my practice is to completely let go of comparisons. 
which means favorite or worse, better, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So my brain, I've, I've really been practicing for the last three months, trying to train my brain to only find uniqueness, right? In the moment, uniqueness versus comparing, you know, favorites. And so I want to give that context. Um, but if I had to force myself. There's one exception, yeah, right? To... There's one exception, which is the corn dog <laughs> that I mentioned in Philly. Yes. That can be a favorite. Yes, for sure. <laughs> Uh, but if I had to go back into the, the sort of rating comparing, um, yeah, I think when they were like seven and four, sort of in that range, it was it was awesome. Like I have these videos. I was, we were actually just watching some of them yesterday on my phone, where there's just this incredible, uninhibited childlike creativity and play. Um, because they haven't been to school and society yet much. Um, those were those were some beautiful years. Um, and of course, once they get out to school with other kids and stuff, that all that is coming in, and so there's a there's an effect from that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, so we've clarified that because your kind of purpose and your missions in life are so huge and so. Um, just powerful that nor what people would consider normal life, like income and like business and things like that. Um, even parenting has become ultra simplified because the, the things that you're actively working on are, are just huge. Mm-hmm. When it comes to uh, even the most basic question of your, even your, your pain relief programs, mm-hmm. Do you incorporate any of this knowledge actively in those programs or do you do you come back down to like only a physical level and just teach like physical therapy or are you blending in some of these higher concepts? Yeah, great question. So um, we spoke a little bit about male wolf um, off the recording yesterday, I believe. And ever since male wolf, which is this sort of art installation basically there's one in santa fe denver and las vegas um and i went to the one i think four years ago was the first time i encountered it ever since then i've set the intention to um uh to create content that meets people where they're at from that consciousness perspective but also have enough hints designed to just nudge them a little bit forward and so I, I call it it's like taking their hands and walking with them towards their divine selves. And so while the course comes across very mechanical, like stretch your psoas and, and do all that stuff, absolutely there is language in there designed to already shift some of their their language patterns. Right? And so, um, and of course, if they're really into it in the courses as a bonus, I give people access to uh, like I have of a course on I call it wisdom words. It's basically a language awareness, how to cast spells course. And so I have that in there as a bonus for free, just for people who are like, Oh, uh, I see what you're doing. There's a whole other thing happening. They can go down that path. So beautiful. Yeah. Oh, okay. So I, I, I have a, a question I want to ask and I'm going to table for a second because okay. now I feel like I have to get into these wisdom words. Okay. And you referenced the term spells, which is yeah. another one to translate into 3d reality is like, we're always casting spells, yeah. so to speak, which is like everything that you say, um, 
kind of leans you in a certain direction, which is exactly what I mentioned earlier with like the quality of the question you're asking. Mm -hmm. So because you're asking the question, how can I fund my life so that I can build these like magical implements and shoot love into the world at Mm -hmm. these beautiful places and these like work with these amazing people that like speak to these energies and have this beautiful relationship with your daughters and uh, just be putting love out into the world all the time. That in itself, just thinking about that and working on those things is a, is a spell, mm-hmm. right? And anything we desire, the way we show up in the world is a spell. Yep. If, if, like, if this is the last time I get to speak to you ever, which is definitely not going to be the case, but if it were, yep. what is like, what are your top things that you'd recommend mm, yeah. as far as like casting better spells with my words yeah. or thoughts? Yeah, I've, I've, I've spoken a lot about this. Um, one comment, simple, well, I'll give context first before I give tactic. Um, just like I mentioned in the, in the first episode, there's, I don't believe in good, bad, right, wrong, positive, and negative, right? So everything is happening for a reason. So what I'm about to suggest some word shifts doesn't mean that the original word that you're using is, is bad. It's actually there for a reason. So I want to give that context first. And so the tactical would be a simple switch from um, have to to get to, right? So you can imagine if you just wake up and you say, I have to sit up, I have to brush my teeth, I have to put on clothes, I have to shower, I have to drive to work, I have to, have to, have to, and you just feel into your energy and just imagine I get to sit up, I get to brush my teeth, I get to so on and so forth. It's a completely different energy. And when I say energy, you know, it's basically a different vibration. And that vibration is now putting out into universe a whole different signal compared to have to. So if I had to pick- Yes, and- yeah. There's like a master class mm-hmm. on this topic um, in a movie. If anyone mm-hmm. wants to go on Netflix and chill and learn this in a really profound way to how he's how Steve is applying this, it's called About Time. Mm-hmm. And it's essentially about this spell that you're talking about yeah. right now, which is we have to do things versus we get to do yeah. things. And so you can go watch that movie and it'll be it's beautiful. It's like a it's a normal yeah. movie. It you know performed very well in theaters okay. and great movie great. with Rachel McAdams. Okay. Beautiful. Yep. Beautiful. Yep. Okay. Yeah. I mean, so if, if I had to stick with one thing, that's just such a, a common and simple uh, and yet monumentally impactful shift just from have to get. Yeah. But there's a lot more, but if I had to pick one, I would say that one for sure. What's another one? What's another one? <laughs> uh, so the next layer I would recommend is um, letting go of shoulds. There's no shoulds, right? And so because mm, whenever don't should all over yourself and, and others, and so the the should creates a separation, right? And also is I mean just think if if there was this divine orchestration, everything is unfolding exactly how it's meant to unfold, and there would be no shoulds. And so when we say should, we're, we're almost opting out of that frequency, that divine unfolding frequency into what I think from my human egoic mind should be happening or not. And so that's would be my next recommendation. What words do you use in place of that? Um, yeah, it's interesting. What, when you start to completely let go of these vibrations, it doesn't need a replacement because what's on the other side is just complete acceptance. Now acceptance, I want to clarify, doesn't mean complete passivity, right? It doesn't mean you don't do anything. Like 
this person's killing that person. There's a war between this country and that country. Oh, it's it's all awesome. That's that's not uh, acceptance, right? Acceptance is you 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 go okay. My expression of myself, I think I can support this, and you do it. But coming from a place of acceptance, not I should be helping or that shouldn't be happening. It's a, it's a different energy. Mm. Yeah. Yes. So if I if I run the scenario in yep. my head of like, okay, Steve is in bed mm -hmm. and he's really tired and he's got like a few meetings about like the Peru thing and planning mm -hmm. and Steve just is like, you know, I feel really good laying in bed right now and uh, I'm going to I'm going to potentially pass on some of these meetings that I've got set up. What, what kind of like, what's the, what's the implement or the, the instigation to getting you out of bed on that day? Yeah. 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 Uh, so in a, in a past Steve, yeah. right. It would be like, Oh, I should get up and brush my teeth. Yeah. I should take a shower. Yeah. I should go to this meeting. Yeah. What's the, what's the wise wisdom words yeah. Steve say? Well, I think at first for me, it's an internal check on why am I about to do, or why am I about to decide this, right? First and foremost, because when you take out shoulds, it's really just, you're really just now expressing. And now the question is, where is this expression coming from? And so I just check in, am I doing this out of like fear, anger, blah, 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 or just love acceptance and, and who I am. And that becomes a nice filter to kind of know Right, because you don't have a should anymore. So like, what's the other deciding factor? It's going to be, where's the origin of that? You know, what's the feeling, mm -hmm. right? Of the origin of that act. And then just, you know, yeah. do that thing. So there's this concept from Gabor Mate, mm -hmm. I believe I might be misquoting. You can correct me. And mm -hmm. It's this idea of like, are we doing any action out of love or out of obligation? Yeah. yeah. And I feel like that's a nice way to anchor that yeah. for my Perfect. mind that came up. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's like, if I'm doing anything because I feel like I, I have to, like you're saying yeah. right before yeah. and have to and get to is sort of like should, and, uh, I want to. So yeah. for instance, Ukraine is happening yeah. and I don't. I'm can say all this and it's like not necessarily true. I don't know what is true. Yeah. I'm just gonna <laughs> yeah. feel like I don't want to put this on the recording, but I'm, I'm going to do it. Yeah. So I don't, this is not meant to be offensive or, and so I have, I'm very uneducated. Right. And I feel like there's a lot of education to be had in yeah. this topic, yeah. but, and for sure, yeah. the U S is not necessarily the good person here. <laughs> Or if, if, if there is such a thing as good, right? Yeah. And, there, and of course, so if we take out good and bad, then we don't have to even have that conversation. But for sure, we, you know, as a country do some things that maybe aren't great yeah. for other places. And that's partially involved here, um, potentially. For sure, um, like pre-invasion, like there was a, a lot of like unfavorable media towards their president the, the i don't even know how to pronounce his name it's like yeah. volodymyr Zelensky or yeah. something to that nature and then it all kind of flipped with the invasion and with like all the data that came out just beforehand and all the different things that were happening with our global crisis you know um so that all being said yeah 
I'm not even sure really where I'm going with that. But when there is a situation like Ukraine and Russia, the difference, and I'm just, I'm just clarifying, like, is this what you're intending uh, with this whole, this is a, a new spell, right? Instead of saying, okay, I should donate mm. to Ukraine. I should, as a media person, participate in supporting uh, whichever side I feel like is more in the positive, if again, positive is a thing there. The difference is instead of shooting about that, I say, and this is, this is, I guess where I'm at is a, I, I don't know if there is a right and wrong here. Mm -hmm. I feel like there's a lot of people doing things that I wouldn't consider great, um, or positive in any way mm -hmm. on all sides, unfortunately. And so it's just kind of it to like when I when I visualize the frequency of that whole situation, it just looks like a like a um, what what do cats spit out? Like, like a like fur balls, like hair balls. Yeah. yeah, like fur balls. Yeah, it's just like a oh yeah, just like about a lot of stuff. <laughs> I mean, of course, like I'm like I want to and so here's the difference. Instead of the shoulds, it's like wow, I really want to support mm -hmm. refugees that are innocent and. Yeah didn't have anything to do with these bigger powers at play. Yeah. I really want to make sure that they're safe yep. and healthy and can be happy again. Um, you know, I really want to make sure that these tensions are resolved in a peaceful way. I really, you know, so this is kind of what comes up for me. Yep. Is that the equivalent of what would be better than a should? Yeah, absolutely. Because, and again, deeper, because everything we ever talk about is is going to be a symptom of something else, right? And I think checking in with the self, because a lot of shoulds comes from, right, like a feeling of obligation maybe. And then the obligation may come from this feeling of like, we must in life do some things that we, we don't want to do because that's, again, part of that sort of sacrifice, part of that work hard story, part of the to be important, you got to do stuff that you don't like or to be, you know, so checking in with some of the, the safety, the worth, and all those things, and, and making sure that the decision isn't coming from an attachment to those, I think can be very helpful. And from that, yes, you go to, mm -hmm. I, I want to. And again, once you make sure it's not attached to all those things, in essence, it's coming from our, our love. So Beautiful. Yeah. Beautiful. Okay, so this is a really awesome question I'm, I'm ready to ask. Okay. And I'm so excited to hear the answers as probably going to be a big one. So in the world of, if we could just label it as personal growth mm -hmm. in the world of making yourself better mm -hmm. over time and finding out what that could mean for you, making yourself happier, uh, making yourself like live at just a, a higher vibration or frequency consistently with more love, more joy, more enlightenment, all of that. When you get started on that path, one of the most common things we hear is you're the average of the five people you spend the most time around. Mm -hmm. Right. And if I, I'm going to draw like kind of a timeline here okay. and then ask you an overarching concept. Sure. So as you get into that world, then you're like, okay, I've got four friends say that I hang out with regularly. And this is years and years ago for me where I'm like, okay, they're not on the same path. They're not on the same journey of, trying to live in that more beautiful way and trying to ask myself these like really powerful questions so that I can live into the life that I, I see I could create mm -hmm. and help and contribute to the world in a different way, in a, in a bigger way. Yeah. 
And so I ended up becoming really lonely for a while. And this is a big journey I hope a lot of people are resonating with. And then you find new people and they, they get magnetized into your life and it's beautiful. And then that could happen a few times, yeah. right? As you go along that journey and as you continuously in change the people that you interact with and the way that you interact with the world, right? Yeah. And then you add the component of romantic involvement and how that plays a role, right? Yeah where you get very attached and you get into this state of love and you're on this journey. And at some point you might find out like, okay. And I know you have recent experience with this. Mm -hmm. So that's part of the reason I'm asking. You're like, okay, at what point, wh how do, what is the mental model that we can think about this where yes, we want to continuously like raise our base level of just joy, happiness, like I was mm -hmm. saying. And we want to really shine the light on those beautiful emotions so that we can have that healing energy around us that heals those around yeah. us, right? And helps them with sometimes people are just going through a rough patch or maybe it's not a rough patch. Maybe it's just kind of where, and, and this is another thing, right? Not everyone has to elevate to to that level they don't they don't necessarily what is that an elevation yeah. right like there's just going to be people maybe like yourself that are going to go really really down that that rabbit hole i feel like that's not a, a good analogy It'd be like a rabbit hole in the sky maybe yeah. so going up into that rabbit hole and and some people that are going to be really really joyous and happy living like uh, a life as a chef or as like a cook at uh, in like a small town in Kansas yeah. or something. And they, it's really a beautiful life for yeah. them. And it, it just isn't matching with like the life that you're creating or, or being called to. Mm -hmm. Right. Why, what do we do with this? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I have, I have a funny story to tell. So this was maybe like two years ago in one of the Facebook groups, this person, a father of a son, wrote this post and the post went something like this. My son used to be so driven. He would go to all the, the personal development courses with all the gurus. He would like read this stuff. But recently he met this girl and they moved in together. And basically now um, he is just so happy with her. He's now not doing all those things. He's just like in bliss and love and enjoy with her. What can I do to help him? And I was reading this like, it's hilarious, right? Because his son actually is in this is instead of learning about love and learning about all this stuff, he's he's in it. He's in it in that relationship, and it's the father like to know that there needs to be a chase happening, basically a, a seeking that's happening. And so, I, I just thought it was a beautiful story. That I mean, the way I look at reality is we we all have a different well, we all have infinite number of paths to go on. Some people may be on the same path, usually different paths. And on this path, because there's different paths, there is no like ahead or behind, right? We're just heading in our unique direction, first and foremost, because I think a lot of people are like, oh, I, I need to catch up or I need to be there because I'm this old and I should be, right? It's the shoulds again, this and that. So first and foremost, we all have our unique path, basically. And second, um, the, again, the personal help space, in order to sell you things, will say you're missing something Add, add this, right? Add this knowledge, add this wisdom. And while that's true, 
the other half rarely gets practiced, which is the subtraction. Right? And so I believe that we incarnated in this called meat suit for a reason, to have a very human experience. And um, almost like strength training, we will take up density and weight to build our strength. Like, you know, you lift a dumbbell to build your muscles. In our earlier years, we took on dense energies to build our emotional, spiritual strength, right? And so over time, as we become wiser, we realize we just get to, we don't have to carry the dumbbell forever, right? So we can let go of aspects of ourselves. And through that, we naturally become lighter, right? Versus chasing the light. We literally just realize, oh yeah, the earlier dense stories, energies, you know, states um, no longer serve. I, I've, I've built the strength. Like, I don't need the dumbbell anymore. Right. And so I think that's a slightly nuanced frame of the process that I believe can be very helpful because it comes from a place of wholeness. Right. It, it comes from I have this sovereign choice of letting go of those dense things. And, and the side effect that, that automatic is higher consciousness and, and more connection to love, joy, and bliss and all that stuff. Because, you know, when you, when you look at a newborn baby, you don't go, oh, you go, oh my God, you just feel this unconditional love and this there's a, a very distinct feeling when you look at a baby. And so, because we're born in that incredible vibration. And of course, and we're meant to have experiences to bring some darkness and density to it. So we can now really appreciate the light and let go of that density as we get wiser. So, Wow. Okay. So how do you look at friendship? Like, how do you determine, or do you at all, do you, do you just allow that flow to happen or do you cultivate your community in a certain way? What's your, what's your thought there? Yeah. Again, I'll give interesting context before I answer that question. For earlier part of my life, my main identity I would identify myself with is a hard worker because I saw my mom working hard and, you know, helped us. So I was like, I'm going to be a hard worker. And the drawback to being a hard worker was I was working like 80 hours a week. <laughs> so I was like doing all the stuffs. And eventually I was like, yeah, that's not, that's not super helpful. And I, you know, became an entrepreneur. Now the entrepreneur is about problem solving, at least for me early on. So I go, there's a, there's a hole here. I'm going to fill it with this. I'm a good problem solver. Again, the drawback to that is lots of problems came because it must, this is the law of correspondence and polarity. And so about three years, three and a half years ago, as I reflected on all this, I updated my my sort of identity to harmony maximizer, which means I must attract harmony that I get to maximize. And literally, instantly, within months, life became easier. All these magical things happened right, to, to bring more harmony. And then last year at an event uh, that I ran, I was inspired by a discussion the attendees were having to update my, uh, my, my sort of identity because knowing what is about to come it can't just be harmony maximizer. So I chose resonance magnet, which means I must automatically attract people of similar or same frequencies. And as you put these magnets together, the magnets become a stronger magnet, which attracts more. And so the reason that's important is because literally some of my closest friends um, came into my life after that updated identity about a, a year a year ago. In fact, I was just at an event with some, some friends and we all was like, I feel like we've known each other for like 10 years, but oh yeah, it's only been a year. And so, yeah, a, a lot of my, um, again, deepest relationships have come from this, this shift in identity to resonance magnet. Now, mm. not suggesting everyone else 
just take on that. I'm just thinking reflect upon your your identities because that is of course influencing all of this. Um, and so and beyond that global contextual thing, I, I as when it comes to relationships like friends or family, my tactical thing that I like to use is I remind them friends and family don't keep score. Right, which means we're not measuring like I've done this much for you and you've done this much for me. I feel like once you get into that transactional world, it, it gets tricky, right? And so you just don't keep score. Like there, everything's just unconditional. So now, with that being said, have you ever been in a situation where it's really obvious, where you're like, "Wow, okay, I, I, I'm like only giving." Mm -hmm. And there is there is no receiving happening yeah. like ever. Yeah. This is a great question. And what what what's that? Yeah, I, I yeah. love this question um, because this is very common, right? And so uh, and people talk about I'm going to put boundaries up so I don't continually give, and that person can't come in to ask anymore. <clears throat> and that is one way to do it. And you and that's a beautiful practice to know your power, your energy. You set these boundaries. Um, I believe once you sort of master that game, you kind of realize we're, we're all one. And from that perspective, the only reason that that person isn't giving to you is because you're not open to receiving. <laughs> so it goes, goes back to that law of correspondence. And so I think, you know, I, there's a story of uh, maybe four years ago through this meditation with, with some psychedelics, the spirit. So I went into it with the intention of being a better creator. Because right? that was right in the beginning of launching a bunch of businesses. And I was like, oh, if I'm going to launch all these businesses to help the world, I want to be a better creator. And the clear message that came into my mind, almost in this funny, like mocking voice, said, you're, you're being silly. Everything you've ever wanted to create is already there in the quantum. You're actually just not open to receiving it. And I was like, oh, okay. So I literally really just focus on being a better receiver from that moment on and, and life has been profoundly different. Mm. What does that look like? Uh, give me all of the top receiving practices. Yeah. What does that look like? Yeah. Uh, and I'm a huge fan of micro practices, like the, the little things also affect the big things. A super simple um, example of this is like when you're out with a group of friends and there's food on the table, right? Sort of family style. Up until three years ago, I would I would never take the last piece, right? Like there's some food left. There's like one little piece, and you you know everyone's feeling the same. It's like one bite left, and no one wants to be that person. Yeah, you're like twenty percent Canadian. <laughs> right. You got that. Right. And so now I'm like, yeah, I'm just gonna receive that last piece without any like guilt or anything. Like that's a a micro example of this of this macro. Like if if we're not even willing to receive that tiny last bite because we're thinking we're imposing or, or whatever, that is, of course, showing up in, in much bigger ways. So. What, what else? What else? Hit me, hit me with all the receiving practices you... Yeah. And I feel like it's also, to clarify, one of the things that I kind of operate on as far as like being a... I consider myself a translator. Mm -hmm. uh, that's why I always am like, oh, and to, to put this into yeah. 3D terms, Perfect. like this is kind of the journey. I, I'm a firm... I'm actually not firm. I always say strong beliefs loosely held. So I have a strong belief that's loosely yeah. held that you can't skip steps. Yeah. There's like many steps. Absolutely. To, so when you said you're a resonance magnet, to me, I'm like, wow, that is a very high level 
And that's many steps to getting to the point where that can really feel right for someone where I'm like, wow, that's, that really reflects. And you said that in such a beautiful way of a lot of the things I've been doing for myself mm -hmm. lately is like thinking about like, what am I, I'm always thinking about magnetizing mm -hmm. like things to me and me to mm -hmm. them, to the things that I, I, you know, I, and it's, I have a lot of crazy stories of what's been happening with that lately. Yeah. And at the, I think the most basic level is like stepping down of the identity the ladder there. The first one is like, if you find yourself saying things like, oh, I'm like a negative person mm -hmm. or I'm a pessimist, you could say like, oh, um, the first step might be like, I'm not a pessimist. I accept what mm -hmm. comes. And the next step would be, I'm an optimist mm -hmm. or I'm a positive mm -hmm. person, right? If you want to take that, that's like the step. And then the step after that and after that, and then eventually you get to the point where you're like, I feel like most people I would encourage to, to evolve to the point where they could say they're a resonance magnet mm -hmm. for the things that are very compelling to mm -hmm. them. And I heard this beautiful quote, I know you're going to love, and you've probably heard it before, which is, um, my passions are my yeah. purpose. And it's like, when you, when you get to that stage where you really, and this is for me more lately, really realizing like, wow, if I am drawn to do something, however silly, however, it doesn't make sense, like whatever mm -hmm. it is like, no, that lean in, mm -hmm. lean in, because if you're being drawn to it, it's for, and you have to, you know, you have to clarify, like, am I being drawn to it because of yeah. it should, am I being drawn to it because of like greed or lust? Or, am, or is this like a real soul? Like, wow, I, I feel really compelled yeah. and I feel very excited about this thing. And a lot of the times there's no real reason just like lean in. And then sometimes there is a deep reason, yeah. right? Like Peru. I'm like, that sounds amazing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, was there, was there a question that I asked? You, you did ask a question for another practice for receiving. So I can, I yes, can please. answer that and I can circle back on the, what you just talked about. And so for most gatherings that I'm in, I love to do this process. And I learned this by watching this incredible Navajo elder. They, they call himself Dene, what the Americans call them Navajo, um, Pat McGabe. I was at an event with her. And what I noticed was that when people complimented her, she didn't flinch. There was no like, oh, or yeah. It was, you know, it's as if someone said, the chair is blue. But they said, you're the most incredible. Like she took it with such groundedness but non-attachment, it was, it was inspiring. And so I believe that, so I, I do these, you know, like word showers, basically like group of people, one person goes, everyone calls out their essence, right? Something they, they love about them and, and all that. And I think it's a great practice because as things are being said to you, whatever you, when you hear it, you contract, you feel like, oh no, and you're downplaying it. There's, there's something there specific to that word or that phrase that you want to open up to receiving. And so I think the word shower is a beautiful group practice to become very aware of where, where are the channels of receiving currently that you get to open up even more. Do you do this with your kids? Yeah, I, I actually, I've done that. And one of my favorite things for people who have young kids is you ask them a question, why do I love you? It is such a revealing question, right? Because they'll, they'll be like, Typically, you know, they'll be like, because I'm smart, because I'm cute, because I am right, all the things. And you just say no to everything until they give up and they're like, I don't know. And you just say, because you're you. 
right? Because I think kids are, are, unless it's explicitly said almost, um, they believe they're being conditionally loved in a way, right? Because it's natural. Like they kick a soccer goal. You're like, yay, that's awesome. You, they get an A, you're like, yay, that's awesome. They're not getting yay, that's awesome when they're like drooling, staring at space, right? And so mm. that, that's an interesting offset because they're, they're, of course, being praised when they achieve. So like to let them know that they're not, they're not loved anymore for their achievements. They're just loved. So. Oh, that's yeah. so beautiful. Do you do this with your partner as well? Yeah. yeah. And how, what's the, what, do you have a, like a regular schedule for that, that you, or does it just come up when it comes up? It just comes up when it comes up. I mean, uh, she's very good at something. She's like, I want some extra gooey lovingness. Let's, let's go there and we'll just, mm. we'll just talk about, we'll go, <laughs> okay, we'll do that. So. And that's another, you just gave me another receiving tip in saying that, which is like when you feel like you, you just feel the energy of wanting to receive, just yeah. ask. Yeah. I, I love that. You know, it's like whatever, whatever comes up unfiltered. If you want the lovingness, just, just ask for sure. Yes. That being said, I am so honored and loving the opportunity to have another talk with you so shortly after the first one. <laughs> And this is wonderful for me. I am getting, this is just, I feel great. This is amazing. I'm really excited about this. And you are just so inspiring mm -hmm. and uh, aspirational for me. So I, I really appreciate this like low key mentorship that I've been getting. Mm -hmm. This is great. Mm -hmm. So that being said, yeah, talk to me about how the physical body mm -hmm. is related into all of this, like mm -hmm. the upkeep of the physical health and the physical body. Yeah. That's, okay. Cause clearly you are super fit. Yeah. And you, you have these like pain, uh, solution, you know, products that you do Yeah, Talk to me about that yeah. whole where, I mean, we could go real deep, I bet, but yeah. yeah. I mean, in general, our, our physical body is imagine if we were wanting to broadcast the clearest, strongest signal into the universe. Our physical body is the the tower, right? If your towers crumble and it's made of like wood, probably not as good as like if it's made from pure gold, and in an incredible geometric shape, that would be a much better signal. That's basically our bodies, and so our bodies. Um, the more you align it, and I'll explain why I use align it versus just being healthy. The more you align it basically the, the better signal that you can broadcast, which means a better signal echoes back, right? And so, and I, if I put it in mass media, spiritual terms, it means manifesting becomes infinitely easier, right? Because you're, you're in alignment through the law of correspondence in terms of what's being broadcasted, what's coming back. And that signal is, is very clear. It's now I'll circle back to, um, healthy versus alignment, right? So you could be, and we talked a little bit about this, alluded to it. You could have six pack abs, but still not be quite aligned, right? And so when it comes to the physical body, that isn't just body fat and muscles. That's just one tiny sliver way of looking at it from a fitness world. Um, most, most importantly, is going to be the vibration, right? How, what is the state of your body? Because I can actually say someone with, let's say, 20% body fat, who has this incredible relationship with food where food, they, they sit in front of the food, they connect to it, they feel the vibration of it, they enjoy the sensation of it. As compared to someone with 6% body fat, that's like 
I'm eating keto because I don't want to be fat because fat reminds me of my childhood where I was bullied. Uh, guess who's healthier and more aligned? The, the 20% body fat, right? And so I think an even deeper aspect to our, our physical body is how we relating to the act as we take care of our body. Because that relationship, of course, is the vibration in which we're swimming in as we're as we're wanting to change your body in any way. So I think that's important to say. Uh, and yeah, and, and I, I believe in that um, small micro daily devotions go a long way, right? And so for anyone that's listening, if you're like, oh, I, I have an intention to shift my body, I personally don't recommend changing one, like a bunch of massive things. They're, they're typically not sustainable. Just pick like one, and it'll come to you. Ask yourself, what is the one thing that I devote to for the next six months or, or even six years? that changes everything about my health, that brings alignment back in and ask mm. that question. Yes, and to use your earlier wisdom and incorporate that is saying, not what should mm -hmm. I change about my health, but what would I love yeah. to change? Like, what would I love to yeah. start, right? I would love to start dojoing. I would love to start uh, drinking more water. Like, I feel like that would be really great for me. And if you're coming from that perspective, it's it's a, it's a more beautiful thing, right? Definitely, definitely. Yeah, it, it's so important. And it, so um, a more tactical layer of that is for anyone that's having any physical symptoms, like health, you know, what, what medicine would call illnesses, every one of those illnesses and symptoms is your body's way of communicating to you what's happening. Right? And so it's a whole different frame, like, oh, I have this dis-ease. Well, you, you have a signal from your physical form telling you something is out of alignment, right? And so listen to that signal and communicate with your body because, you know, you're going to have the best ability to communicate with it compared to a, a doctor. Yeah. That being said, uh, there's a statement that I always teach mm -hmm. and talk about in the dojo. Mm -hmm. And it's, you can use the mind to heal the body. Right. So there could be emotional things. There could be, um, you know, various like upgrades to certain words or, or thought patterns that create issues in the body. And if you, if you upgrade those or you shift those, it could, it could really affect the body. However, you can also use the body to affect the mind. Mm -hmm. And in that regard, a lot of the times it's a lot easier <laughs> to do that than it is to do the mind yep. first. And so getting that alignment in the body and working towards that. Mm -hmm what are what are your thoughts on emotions and and things like that showing up in the body as pain as discomfort yeah yeah there's a great book i typically recommend it's called the complete dictionary of elements and disease and essentially it's uh, sounds like a harry potter book. <laughs> it kind of is it's infinitely more detailed than louise hayes's work and he i mean you can look up almost every diagnosis um and he basically will explain what are the thoughts and emotions that's relating, right, and, and essentially causing um, this physical symptom. And so, yeah, it's it's a direct correlation. And absolutely, because the law of polarity and rhythm states that things swing back and forth, of course, changing the body changes the mind, just like changing the mind changes the body, right? Because from a unity perspective, even though we have words that says mind, body, spirit, uh, conceptually and in reality, it's, it's all one, right? Everything is, it's the yeah. complete book of uh, complete dictionary 
of, of ailments and disease. Beautiful. I'll put that in the show yeah. notes. And I'm buying seven copies today. <laughs> That's probably not true. Maybe two or three yeah. copies. Yeah. I, I don't know if they still have it. I, I think they might have pulled it for, for some reason. Um, I will find but it. They, have, uh, they used to have it on Kindle. So I, I just have it on my phone all the time. I can look up stuff, which is awesome. Wonderful. Now, when when you have either someone really close to you or you yourself mm -hmm. get uh, a tweak or an injury or your GI is weird, what's the what's your first go to? Is it the emotional side of it or is it the physical side of it? Hmm. That's a good question. Um, for me, I always think about the uh, emotional. However, with my background in physiology, you can immediately reduce the symptoms biologically, right? Like do that so you, you feel good. And then, of course, look into the root, 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 which is going to be sort of the energy and mind stuff. So that's sort of my approach. For other people, it depends. It depends on um, their consciousness and, and where they are in their unique path, right? Because you can imagine if someone completely does not believe that the mind and affects the body, I can't be like, oh, this is because of this emotion. And so for that person, we would stick mostly to biological and physical mechanical with maybe a little bit of hinting that it's connected to the other things versus someone who already is well-practiced at understanding that. And of course, we, we go right to the, the deeper emotional. So it kind of depends on where they are in their practice. Beautiful. So I'm like, I'm like running out of time here and I want to ask you one really big question. Okay. Dum, dum, dum. And it's, it's kind of an ephemeral question. Okay. So when you kind of tune in to like all the things we've talked about over this two hours and 40 minutes or so mm -hmm. of recorded time and lots of off, off camera mm -hmm. time too. And you think about like, what is the most inspired thing that you'd want to talk about or teach? or something that we haven't discussed that you feel would be really important mm. for people to hear when you like think about the energy of like these interviews, what, what sort of naturally bubbles to the surface? Mm -hmm. Yeah. What's coming to mind is, um, essentially at the, the end of the first interview, right? I think that the takeaway is you're unfolding from wholeness, Right, versus um, sort of coming from separation where you're you're lacking something. So that was the first one. What's coming to me is um, and another aspect that really harmonizes that uh, with that recommendation really well, which we kind of touch upon throughout, is this divine faith, right? Knowing that um, all the things that are happening in this moment that may seem like chaos or disorder or if you want to judge it bad, know that there absolutely is there, there is a, a divine power that is infinitely more capable than the human meat suit that we're in that is overseeing this chess game, right? And helping move the pieces. And so, and I believe that having that faith, again, really allows us to, one, connect to that divine self, right? To tap into that faith and, and have a feeling of that that already can bring about tremendous peace, right? Because I think a lot of people who are looking at their lives in terms of things that are happening that they don't want, you know, there's that innate anxiety or stress about it. And I think having that faith can bring you to 
to that state of peace. And from that state of peace, you unfold from wholeness, like I mentioned from the first episode. Beautiful. Beautiful. Thank you for that. Yeah. yeah. And again, when people fall in love with you, where <laughs> can they go? How can they find you and, and get more of this? Yeah. Yeah. And so the, the best place right now would be just my personal site, which is drsteveyoung.com. Or you know, find me on social media on Facebook. Just sure you can search for Steve Young. It'll, it'll come up. Beautiful. Thank you so much. I, again, I'm, I'm so honored and I'm so glad. It's so funny that we connected two years ago, yeah, yeah. Like really briefly. Yeah. And I was like, wow, he's got like a great vibe. I was in a totally different situation. COVID was yeah. really intense at that point. Yeah. And I had the kids running around all the time and no, there was no school. Yeah. So it was just a uh, very different life situation where now I'm like, I want to absorb everything. <laughs> I just feel like I could, I could literally interview you for 50 hours and just keep learning and getting stories. And I'm just, I'm honored. Mm. I'm honored. Thank you very much. Yeah. It's, it's an honor again to, to be able to share this. And again, I, I look at it as uh, honoring you for providing this channel that basically allows me to just like express my me. So.